Capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the Doctor is now in. And yes, the madness is here. Oh, it has arrived and arrived in grand style. We are broadcasting live, of course, from the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin and a plethora of guests here today like we uh, normally do, well, just about every day, but we definitely do it during uh, March Madness. We'll be here at the Westgate today and tomorrow, of course, usually our Friday home. And, of course, we are here when everything or something big is happening, and that is definitely the case. Uh, packed house here today at the world-famous Superbook, and uh, John Murray joins us, the executive director of the Superbook, so he joins us here today, as uh, well as Scott Spritzer will be checking in. We will go live to Sacramento with our good friend Tracy Murray, the UCLA Bruins Hall of Famer, and also does a fantastic job as the game analyst on the UCLA Bruins radio network, so we'll check in with Tracy a little bit later on this hour as uh, the Bruins are getting ready to play their first uh, round game of the tournament against UNC Asheville tonight uh, in my hometown of Sacramento. So we've got that going on today. Lindy LaRock will join us. Uh, She is coming to us today from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as the Lady Rebels are getting ready for their opening round game tomorrow. The Lady Rebels an 11th seed, 31-2, winners of 22 in a row. So we will uh, talk to Coach LaRock as uh, we get ready to preview uh, their game against the University of Michigan tomorrow. So, of course, a lot on tap, and no better place to be than the Westgate of Las Vegas right here inside the Superbook. And uh, our good friend John Murray joins us. John, what is happening, my friend? Craziness here. Just craziness. <laughs> Morning was crazy. Both the first two games came down to the really the last possession. Uh, West Virginia couldn't get the shot in. Virginia, you know, they had a timeout that guy just chucked the ball down the field like he was playing football or something. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, That was crazy. Big big explosion when Furman hit that shot. Yeah, just uh, amazing uh, start to the tournament. The very first game, the very first final, we have an upset, and it's a 13 versus 4 upset, like you mentioned, John. Uh, Furman, the Paladins, who were kind of a live dog, came in as only a six-point underdog uh, to Virginia. And I know me, for one, I'm sitting there watching that shot be released with two seconds to go after the turnover, like you said. Virginia had a four-point lead, uh, missed free throws, missed two big free throws uh, down the stretch. And again, all they had to do was just take care of the basketball, uh, inbound of the ball, pressure from Furman with, uh, you know, less than six seconds to go, gets caught in the corner. And uh, with about four seconds, four or five seconds left, he decides, uh, the guard just decides to chuck it down the court, but it gets picked off at half court. One pass, open shooter, hits one from 22 feet, a three-pointer. Next thing you know, you go from up two to down one. Then Virginia takes the timeout. <laughs> Can't uh, get a decent shot off, and uh, they lose again in the first round. 
Well, they, they've got a style of play that makes them somewhat susceptible to an upset. You know, they play these very, very low-scoring games and a couple mistakes at the end of the game, and it can swing the whole thing. So, Plus, Virginia wasn't playing well down the stretch. Yeah. They were not playing good basketball the last few weeks, so that all made Furman a very popular underdog play. That was still good for us, though, because you had the Virginia Moneyline parlance. So uh, that was, I think that might be the only game we've won on today. Uh, we, we really needed Howard. Howard was, uh, Howard not covering was real tough for us. So one game, uh, the opening game of the tournament, and we have, uh, like I said, the shocker there. And it really shouldn't surprise, like we said, with Virginia, you know, being the lone team to, to lose to a 16 seed, you know, a few years back <laughs> in, in the opening round. Uh, just it, it, it's craziness and you know we look at a lot of these opening lines and we see a Virginia over a Furman by six five ten years ago that line is 12 13 14 15 but it just seems like these lines have really shrunk now because of either a the parity of the um, in, in college basketball today transfer portal the you know having the extra COVID year call it what you want but we've seen this trend over the last few years it just seems like uh, there are just more and more of these upsets and more of these favorites uh, are not only not covering, but they're getting upset outright. Well, the, the gap is closing between the haves and the have-nots in college basketball. I mean, there's just not that big of a difference between these 5 and 12 seeds anymore. Mm. For one thing, all the best players are already in the NBA for the most part, so you don't have that anymore. Back in the day, these higher-seeded teams would be they'd have two, three NBA players on them. Well, that's not the case anymore. The transfer portal is another big thing where these players are still kind of learning to play with each other. They don't have tons of years together except for the smaller schools. The smaller schools will have guys that have been playing together for two or three years, like Colgate against Texas. This is the third NCAA tournament for that group. Those guys have been playing together for a while. You just don't get that as much in the bigger schools. They get the one-and-dones. They get the transfer portal. They don't have as much experience playing with each other. John Murray joins us, the executive director here at the uh, Superbook. Let's talk a little bit about what today is all about here, John, especially for you guys on the other side of the counter. We know it's great uh, for the patrons who come in here. It's jam-packed. Again, the most famous sports book, not only in Las Vegas, but, but in the world. But talk about what it's like for you, Jay Cornegan, and in, in the staff here uh, as far as, you know, today, especially when that uh, first tip-off goes a little bit after 9 a.m., and then goes throughout the day. This is the best weekend of the year. Uh, today and tomorrow are the two best days of the year for us. Controlled chaos, you know, it's not, yeah, I don't want to date myself too much, but it's not as not as chaotic as it was when I was a teller here. Okay. The reason being the mobile accounts. You know, when I was writing tickets at the sports book, when it was called the Hilton Superbook, yeah. everyone that made a bet had to wait in that long line. Nowadays, most people have a mobile account, so the lines aren't quite as bad. But uh, the, the best thing for the book for about March Madness versus the Super Bowl is uh, the parlays. Super Bowl is all straight bets. They bet the game, they bet the total, the money line, the props. March Madness, we get a ton of parlay action. A lot of teams for the, the, the patrons to parlay together. It, it's very good for the book. and it, I think it's the most fun weekend of the year for sure. Talk a little bit about what the handle will be like today. It won't, it won't be anywhere near what Super Bowl is. It's not even close because Super Bowl, you take bigger bets, the bigger dollar amounts. March Madness is more of like smaller dollar size, higher volume of bets, more tickets, more parlays. But the, the dollar figures will pale compared to the Super Bowl. But in, compa- in comparison uh, if you to the Super look at the, Bowl. If you look at the whole weekend, right. 
then then you're you're more in the ballpark. Okay. For the for the entire four days, we should do more than this. Okay. So put it in contrast to this. How is like say today compared to a regular NFL Sunday week seven? Uh, that's a good comparison. I think it's a, probably a little bit higher, yeah. uh, but it it depends a lot on who you have in the building. Oh. You know, if you've got two, three, four, five of your biggest VIP players, uh, that could swing things quite a bit. But mm. I think that's a comp, a good comp, mm. a, uh, an NFL Sunday to this day. It's probably I think this day would be a little more. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, setting the lines. I want to go back to, to Sunday, last Sunday after the selection show is over. And, you know, we talk a lot about the Super Bowl and after the AFC or NFC Championship game concludes, there's that, that rush, the anticipation. What is that number going to be in the Super Bowl? You make that, and, you know, that's kind of an event in itself. A lot of uh, times for sharp players, they want to get to the window and um, and make that early action, even though they got two weeks to you know, to hype it so the majority of the, of the players or fans are going to wait and see how everything plays out. With this, once you set the lines on that Sunday night, basically you have, you know, three days of that. Well, even less because now we have the playing games or whatever. So talk a little bit about what goes into setting those lines. Kind of take us behind the scenes uh, of what's that like during the selection show. How quickly after the selection show is over do you guys you know, powwow about all these things and how quickly are these lines up? Well, you know, the guys have a sets of power ratings they're looking at. So they've got they've got a basic idea of what every line's gonna be. You're looking at what the market has out there. You're looking at what the other books are putting up as well. And then you just set them up, turn them on, and let the betters take them from there. You know, the, the opening numbers usually have lower limits than the closing lines do. I would just I would say this, don't worry too much about what the opening line is. Get the numbers up there and start moving them based on the way the sharp players are betting them. That's the best thing you can do. Because our concern is always about getting to the right number first, so more so than having the, the than worrying too much about what our opening line is. Mm-hmm. All right, futures always very popular bets here as we get to the tournament. Uh, we have no clear-cut favorite in this, and when you when you look at this, I mean, Houston, Alabama. Uh, the favorites, but you can still get them anywhere in the neighborhood. What five to six to one? Yeah, I think those are the two teams. Those two in Kansas are the two uh, are the three teams. I think most people are picking. Uh, we do well on all those teams. We we're just trying to fade Texas and Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Texas and Gonzaga have been very popular at the window. We don't do well on either of those two. We're about break even on Houston, and then we do well on really all of the other top seeds in this tournament, including Alabama, including Kansas, including Purdue. So we're just trying to get those two out of there, basically, at this point. Do you have, say, more of an overall handle or less when you have two, three, four, five teams that are kind of spread out in comparison to say, hey, you know, there's a clear-cut favor. Here's somebody coming in here at, at 30 and 2. I think it's less. I think it's better for business if there's a clear favorite. I know people like would expect me to say the opposite, but when there is a Goliath, everybody's betting on that team. You know, last year, after we got the brackets, we took significant futures wagers on Gonzaga and Arizona. They were the two teams that were supposed to be the best heading into this tournament. Neither one of them even made it to the Elite Eight. I think they both were gone before we got down to the Final Eight. And we did great when Kansas won the national championship because they were like that other top-seeded team that wasn't getting a ton of money. North Carolina wouldn't have been so good for us because they were a long shot. But Kansas was great. Because you're writing all this money on the other favorites. They blew in. I thought they had a very easy draw. They took advantage of it. They won the national championship. And it was great for us. 
So really, you're looking for that powerhouse team that you know you can set some low odds. You want everyone to come and hammer it, and then you're rooting against that team every round. Absolutely, and then <laughs> and you're and you also don't want to see too big of a long shot yeah. because the liabilities can add up really quickly on those teams that were way down the board. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, really two consecutive very disappointing regular seasons, but they uh, they I think they saved Hubert Davis's job. They shouldn't. They should get rid of Hubert Davis, but they won't. Because they went to the final last year, and we would have lost a lot on North Carolina. But because it was one of the favorites, but not the trendy one, the biggest one, we did very well in Kansas. What do you like about Hubert Davis? I just don't think he's done a good job in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, the team last year, I think they were an eight or a nine seed. Yeah. And then they had a, a lot of guys back, not everybody, a lot of guys back. Preseason number one, yeah, and they don't even make the tournament. I don't have a problem with Hubert Davis. Yeah. I just don't think you'd be a heck of an athletic director. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Win a national championship, yeah. you don't make the tournament next year, you're gone. I know. Well, <laughs> well, he, he lost the national championship, but he did make it to the final. True, but, yeah, uh, exactly. but no, exactly. I just, exactly. I don't have any. I don't have a problem with Hubert Davis. I'm just saying, if you have that level of talent yeah. and you're North Carolina, mm-hmm. making not making the NCAA tournament is not acceptable mm-hmm. at North Carolina, at Duke, at Kentucky, mm-hmm. at Kansas. Yeah. That can't happen. All right, let's talk about uh, two of those teams that you just mentioned. All right, we talk about Duke and Kentucky, both down this year, uh, both kind, uh, you know seeds that we're not really expecting. I mean, Duke is is a five seed. Uh, you know, we have Kentucky as a number six seed, uh, a little bit shocking, but both yeah. these teams starting to play some better basketball over the last you know couple weeks of the season. Let's start with Duke here. How popular of a play has Duke been as a five seed? Because obviously you can get them basically at double digits on a future and just talk about them moving through the bracket. Well, they've been real popular. Uh, the only the only thing i got to say negative about Duke is I thought they got a tough draw, getting Oral Roberts right out the gate. I and mean, that's a pretty tough first-round game for the Blue Devils. They're playing very well. Down the stretch, they were clearly the best team in the ACC. They had the highest power rating in the ACC. They went through the ACC tournament. They, they look like they are peaking at the right time, and they've been a very trendy pick at the window to win that East Regional maybe even to win it all. I don't see that happening personally, but because they're playing so well, they're a team that's getting a lot of money at the window. And you talk about Oral Roberts. We remember what Oral Roberts did two years ago. I mean, Sweet 16 team, that opening round game against Ohio State. Sure. Uh, This question was brought to me earlier in the week, and I'm I'm saying that, you know, Duke is not Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State is kind of like that Virginia team or some of those SEC teams that, you know, have a tendency to get knocked off earlier on. Uh, Duke is a team we really didn't expect to be here, uh, but they have played some exceptional basketball. You figured that, or at least I I figure that Duke is going to show up, but Oral Roberts, as you're right, they can shoot the three. Do you think this is is the Oral Roberts team that we saw two years ago or the Oral Roberts team that flamed out last year? I don't know about two years ago, but I, I do think they're a very dangerous team. Because they're probably more experienced this year than they were two years ago. I can't imagine that John Shire and the Blue Devils were happy to see that as their first-round draw. I think it's a very dangerous game for Duke. If Duke can get through that game, I certainly would expect them to be in the Sweet 16 against Purdue. And then here, talk about lines. I mean, that's a pretty short line for Duke, if you oh, like it definitely them. is. Yeah. Uh, line it just, is six against Oral Roberts. It speaks to how well-regarded Oral Roberts is. They're, they're a team that plays to a, a good power rating, very good considering the conference they're coming out of. And you got to think about this. This is 
When was the last time Duke played their first round game not in North Carolina? Right. I feel like every year they're in Greensboro, they're in Charlotte, they're always they barely have to leave campus right. usually in the first couple of rounds. So Duke venturing all the way down to Orlando this year. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be okay. I, th- I got a feeling they'll have a couple fans down there. John Murray joins us, executive director at the Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Who are some of those uh, future book uh, liabilities? Well, it's really Texas and Gonzaga if you're talking about the teams that I think can realistically win. Indiana is one. I don't see Indiana. Uh, real. I don't really think they're a realistic team that can win the national championship. I think Texas and Gonzaga are. Gonzaga, They. I think they got a good draw with UCLA as their two seed. UCLA is a little bit banged up. Texas didn't get a great draw. They got a really tough potential second round game. I don't know why, what they did. They blew through the Big 12 tournament, and they get A&M or Penn State in the second round. Right. That's a tough. That is. is a tough draw considering Texas's resume. Yeah. I don't think. And if they do get all the way to the Elite Eight, they got to play Houston. Not a great draw for the Longhorns, but I, I do think Gonzaga got a good bottom half of their bracket, yeah. and they have a, they have a chance to make a run. Maybe they'll be playing Kansas out here in a couple weeks. You know, it's funny you bring up the, the Texas and Texas A&M game because I looked at that and I said, wow, that's a 2-7 matchup, and Texas A&M is a 7 seed, and I think they're a very live 7 seed. Yes. I, I went through my closet today like I normally do, uh, you know, on these uh, these shows and especially this tournament. I got, I was ready to put on my Texas Longhorn shirt today, and I said, no, nah, I'll save that. And I go, wait a minute, they're going to play A&M. If I don't wear my Longhorn shirt today, it might be the only time that, that I'll be able to wear it, you know? Hey. So, but then and again, I didn't want to get ridiculed like later on I'm rolling around the book and maybe they get upset by Colgate or something. So I said, you know yeah. what, I'm, I'm going to save the Longhorn sweatshirt to maybe later in the tournament or save it for football season. That's a tough scene if you're the guy like when like during college football season, there's a 9 a.m. game and some big favorite loses yeah. and like you're not staying here so you can't change, you know, and you're wearing their T-shirt right. for the 9 a.m. game and, yeah. and now it's 1230 and you're yeah. wearing their shirt. Everyone is commenting on it. And you got to wear it for the whole day. I just saw, right before you walked up today, there's a guy wearing the Virginia shirt. And I wanted to say uh, something. And you know who followed him? Guy wearing a Utah State shirt. I wanted to say something. Utah State. They're done. I went to a Utah State-UNLV game a couple weekends ago where Utah State, I mean, you would think they were punting the ball into the basket. (laughs) You would think they were shooting into the ocean in the second half of that game. I don't know what happened to them today. Good win for Missouri. Yeah. Uh, We thought that was going to be a better game. I I thought that projected to be one of the best uh, day one matchups. Didn't play out that way. Utah State just could not shoot the basketball. You know, it's funny. When I was handicapping that game, I I started – uh, earlier in the week going back and forth and then I started looking at Missouri and I'm going okay who has Missouri played that could maybe simulate the style of Utah State and I went back to the Iowa State game and they handled Iowa State rather handily and I sure. go you know that, that's going to be a, a problem for Utah State and then I go back and I'm going okay who would Utah State struggle with that gives you pressure defense and you know can hit some threes or whatever and we saw them struggle against um, against San Diego State earlier this year and I said you know I, I, I like Missouri in, in, in yeah. this situation so it's and a good pick. We, and we saw what happened, you know, the last eight, ten minutes of that game. It yeah. was all Missouri. True. And, uh, you know, Kobe Jones went nuts. And, and, and there, the next thing you know, uh, Utah State's hitting three. Uh, rather, I'm sorry, Missouri's hitting three after three after three. So congratulations to the Tigers. They're a dangerous team. They are a dangerous team. And that was a good win. I mean, I make, I make jokes, but Utah State is a team. They had been playing well down the stretch. I guess we're at a point now, honestly, TC, where – I question everything I see out of the Mountain West. Yes. 
Like maybe the maybe the competition was just not that good. I don't know. We'll see as the, the tournament will, will tell us the story. But well, John, you got a question. You have to question when a conference loses. What is it now? Ten consecutive. They have not won a yeah. game, a tournament game since 2018. Yeah, and it looks like San Diego State's got a six-point lead. We're about to go into the four-minute timeout here. But either way, they are. This conference is on an almost unprecedented bad stretch in the NCAA tournament. I don't think you can ignore that. You can't ignore that, yeah. and I've been very vocal about that, saying, going back to last year and the year before, why, th four teams in the tournament last year, four teams again this year. Now, granted, Nevada was in the play-in game, but still, they made the tournament. But why and, would and why would Nevada, I know it's easy to say this now that they've lost and they got slaughtered by John, Inter we were saying this all, all Monday, Tuesday, they, and Wednesday, so don't worry, don't worry about it. Why would they get in over Oklahoma State? Right. Or, yeah, right. Oklahoma State, I, I thought... Or Rutgers. Or Rutgers, but Oklahoma State, I, I thought all year the Big 12 was the best conference. I mean, I know that West Virginia lost a, a tough game to Maryland this morning. It was a very close game. Could have easily gone either way. Yep. But I thought I thought uh, Big 12 was pretty clearly the best conference all year. I don't understand how Okie State gets left out to make room for a school like Nevada. Uh, you have to explain that to me. I, I can tell you right now, if they played one another in Dayton, Oklahoma State's favorite in that game. No question. And again, you know, I go back to losing that game, embarrassing fashion, to Wyoming. Then you lose to yeah. UNLV on your home floor. And then you lose your opening round game to San Jose State. And I don't want to hear, oh, San Jose State so much better. Yeah, they're better, but <laughs> they're, they're better than horrendous where they've been the last decade. Sure. So, sure. But you don't lose those games when you're decidedly favored in all three of those games, and then you get in the tournament? No, no thank you. You can't lose games like that and expect to get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. Correct. So, you know what else? I, I know this is a trendy thing, but they, they got to stop having the 16-16 games uh, in the first four. Just do all four 11-11s. Because uh, there's no energy in the book for those, like the Fairleigh Dickinson game. But then it's Nevada, Arizona State. Great for business. Pitt, Mississippi State, great for business. Well, if they're going to do that, at least they make that the early game, and then the later game is the 11-11. But, but do you want to see 16-16 no, today? No, I don't. I don't no, want to see that today. Yeah, but I just think that those teams that win their conference, they deserve to get a real tournament bid. They deserve yeah. to go into the NCAA tournament for real. Right. The real NCAA tournament started this morning, not Tuesday. Correct. Correct. All right. Uh, how's your bracket doing? Uh, I don't. I didn't fill one out. You didn't fill one out. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I haven't done that. I got. I got too much else to root for, man. Yeah. I, got, I got to root for the book here. I need Texas A&M uh, Corpus Christi to stay within the number here. Yeah. Uh, I, we need. Uh, we need Illinois to come back here against Arkansas. I got plenty of action. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it. plenty of action. I, uh, I, I, I don't need to worry about that too much. I love it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the opening round games here. All right. We still got more than half of a card uh, left for the late afternoon uh, and evening session here tonight, the opening round. Talk about the line movements and, uh, and, and big plays that have come across uh, your window over the last few days or earlier today. Tonight's games, I, I need you to show me who's playing. I know all, I know everything. I just don't know when the games are, if they're right. today or tomorrow. All right. Here we are. This is, uh, this is what's coming up. Here we go. Oh, Northwestern. Yeah, we definitely are going to need Boise State in that game. Real sharp money on uh, Louisiana against Tennessee. That number came down a little bit, then it pushed a little bit back up. Duke Oral Roberts, we talked about. That's a really high-volume game. A lot of money both ways. Duke's in a lot of money line parlays. A lot of people are taking Oral Roberts' money line straight. 
or the point straight. But that's a really, really good high-volume game. And then the last game, well, first, A&M Penn State's one of the best first-round games, period. Right. Uh, we're going to need Penn State in that game, but really good handle. That time slot lends itself to handle, too. And then you got the chase game, the 705. <laughs> UCLA, a lot of people are going to go for a bailout. With UCLA tonight, but are you going to go? You got a bailout here when they're that's laying the, seventeen that's and a half. Do. They're going to they're laying they're, seventeen and a half on a bailout lay, game. The two biggest decisions we've had so far today: we needed Howard to cover against Kansas. They did not, and now we need uh, Texas and MCC to cover against Alabama. It's going to be close. So yeah, they love that. They don't. So in the one sixteen games or even the two fifteen games, yeah. they don't play the money line on the dog. There, they lay the points. The money lines they go for. The 13 seeds, the 12s, the 11s, they see those teams win. I know that Virginia lost that one 116 game, but that that was just a fluke. All right. Uh, Iowa-Auburn at 350 today. It's basically a a coin flip game. We've seen two teams really be psychotic. Iowa, I mean, they had a lot of potential this year, a scoring machine. But, man, you lose, you know, your, uh, your last home game of the year, senior day to Nebraska. Uh, we've seen Auburn, you know, fall apart this year. They're kind of void of scoring. Talk a little bit about that game. Yeah, Iowa's a team I don't know what to make of. They're uh-huh. th- them and Kentucky are the two teams where I just have no idea what we're going to see any given game. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Iowa. There were times where I thought they were they were uh, collecting themselves, getting it together, and then they just fell apart again. So I don't. And then Auburn is a team I thought totally underachieved this year. I watched them lose to my West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown pretty handily. Actually, so I, I don't, I don't know what to make of that game. Really, that, that's a tough game. I, I don't, I don't really like either side. Your Mountaineers, I actually thought that they were going to uh, pull this off. Uh, that was a good matchup they, for them. They, they got they off to a great start, and then into they, the first half, I don't know what happened. Could not get a basket down the stretch. Yeah. You know, just couldn't get a basket down the stretch. Uh, painful review. Painful review with the Maryland kid. He lost control and he threw the ball out of bounds, and then they stopped the game for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Uh, that was brutal. I mean, just make the call. Uh, I, I didn't care for that, but really good game. Knew it was going to be a tough game. Two evenly matched teams. It just comes down to those final possessions. Who's going to make the shots? Northwestern and Boise State. Talking about the Mountain West, yeah. Boise State. Okay, and Northwestern's had a fantastic season. Sure. When you look at Northwestern, kind of mere images of, of, of Penn State, these two teams with great guard play and what they do. Uh where the money coming in on that game? Sharp money on Northwestern State right when we opened the game. Opened it a pick. They bet Northwestern right away. They pushed it up. And now you can kind of see why. Because Boise uh, Mountain West obviously not doing very well. I think Northwestern is going to be a trendy pick here tonight because everyone's talking about how poorly the Mountain West is playing. And now it looks like Alabama's backups are going to cover. Uh, I, I think we'll need, uh, we'll need Boise State here tonight. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Crowd going nuts here. And don't 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 look now, but uh, Collins Charleston yeah. has erased a nine point deficit uh, with three minutes to go, and uh, we got a tie game. This is fun because I, I tell our newer guys, our younger guys that are working the TVs, they look at it and they see Alabama's up twenty two. Let's change the game, and I'm like, no 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 no. no. You know, we don't got, they know where uh, they work? Nah. What are you talking about? I mean, the whole game is going to come down to this here. 
Uh, we, we need the dog pretty big in this game. All right, and so we're going to see how John's feeling. So Alabama <laughs> is up 24. Oh, and you know what else? We need Princeton. Princeton is the other one. They were a commercial, I guess, when you asked And them. are we going to have the team that's behind just dribble it out, John? No, 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 no. They, these kids only get a stage like this one time. Uh, they're dribbling it no, out, they're, John. They're going to shoot. They're dribbling it out, John. They can't possibly. With five, they just dribbled out the clock you down 24. Unless he launches one at the buzzer, which he does. Oh, no. That's what I'm talking about, man. That, they were just holding the ball. That's why. They were just holding the uh, ball until a kid says, forget that. I'm going that's on unbelievable, style. Man. That's, that's why I told the guys last night, you don't change the channel. You don't change the audio. If it's on the point spread, I don't care if they're up by 30, consider the second half line, consider the total, consider everything. That's March Madness right now. He got that shot off. Terrible shot selection. But the kid made the shot, so I owe that kid. The, so you just heard John Murray be relatively happy. No, as a, not, never. A, 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 is that the deal? You, you have us. You, you said you needed. Oh yeah, but the we, dog, we're right? never, we, we're never happy. I, it's all, it's all lows. I understand that. It's all lows. But all right. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. How, how, how's that ticket? That ticket's no good for me. Oh is it? no! You didn't tell me you had that. Oh jeez. <laughs> Oh, you should have said something. It's not that important to me. Actually, it's better for a buddy of mine. So uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not sure what that means. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, no, no, that was uh, we needed. We need a few I, of these dogs. I, I, I bet he's going crazy now. There oh, you go. It's tough. Man. Yeah. It's just this is March Madness, though. I mean, the, these things are going to happen. There's going to be one that we'll lose on. Well, we really, uh, we really needed West Virginia this morning. Uh -huh. uh, we had a lot of uh, big house players on Maryland, so. 24 it is, point, it is, 20, Alabama favored by 24 and a three at the buzzer by um, uh, <laughs> by the opponent there. He makes it 21. And I don't know any of the players' names. You're looking over here for that. I no, don't know. I, I was. <laughs> okay, I don't know any of their names. <laughs> All right, uh, great stuff, my friend. We appreciate you uh, spending time here today. But uh, you come down here, you've got uh, the great screens. You've got the International Theater. Everything's happening inside there with the 4K video wall. Uh, the food choices uh, surrounding us. I really appreciate you making sure that uh, we have the giant pretzels and we've got the dogs and the burgers. Not we got all that, yeah. you know, right underneath uh, my nose here. I appreciate that. So you can just you know, job tempt the, me for two hours. Really good job with the food trucks this year. Huh? Yeah, like the little like the stop and go food stands. I like it. They and they make the room smell better. Is is this new? Uh, it's not new, but we don't always do it. Uh -huh. uh, I'm glad they did it. It is good. Uh, for sure, a big plus around here. It smells like pretzels. It does. I'm smelling a That's lot nice. of pretzels. Yeah, and and the picture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a picture of that giant pretzel. It looks about the size of a NCAA football. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's big. It's a, I don't know. It's probably a two-man job. It is two-man job. Okay. Uh, All right, you go get that, and we'll split it, my friend. There you go. Are you a cool. mustard guy on pretzels or what? Oh, yeah, mustard. Sure. Absolutely, right? Oh, yeah, honey right. mustard, maybe? There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. We appreciate you, man. We'll let you get back to work. Thanks, DC. Thank you, John Murray, the executive director here at the Superbook. We come back. Tracy Murray's going to join us live from Sacramento as the UCLA Bruins are going to be taking the, the floor at 7 p.m. tonight. We'll talk to Tracy. Lindy LaRock will join us uh, next hour as well, too. And Scott Sprites are live from the Superbook. It is the TC Martin Show on a March Madness opening round Thursday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the TC Martin Show. It's good. Opening round action, the NCAA tournament. We are live at the Westgate at the world-famous Superbook. Uh, the atmosphere electric. Uh, 
and end of games. It doesn't matter if it's a close game, if it's a close to the number, you get in the crowd erupt just like we did a little while ago. And uh, we've got another down-to-the-wire finish between San Diego State and Charleston right now. Not only is that flirting with the number, but uh, the game could be in question uh, as well, too. 25 seconds to go, and San Diego State up by four, shooting free throws. But uh, as Charleston fouled a three-point shooter of the Aztecs behind the arc. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff here happening, of course, at the Westgate. You can come on down, enjoy the action here in the Superbook or inside the International Theater. Uh, get those tickets at Ticketmaster.com. They're $40, and uh, you can see all the games in the comfort of the International Theater uh, today, tomorrow, uh, and Saturday. So great stuff as always. All right, right now, let's go to my hometown. Let's go to Sacramento, a site of uh, one of the West regions for the opening round, and the UCLA Bruins are in action, which means we're going to talk to a good friend, Tracy Murray, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, and does a fantastic job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. Tracy, what is happening, my man? What's going on, TC? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I know you're, you're, you're just kind of like resting up, relaxing, getting ready for your call tonight. Well, uh, I'm, I'm already in the thick of the madness right now. Oh, shoot. I've been in the thick of the madness. I went down and picked up my credential and watched the first half of the Missouri game. So <laughs> I've already felt the energy already. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about those Missouri Tigers. Uh, they were they were fantastic against the Utah State team, and here we go. The Mountain West Conference uh, starts off 0-2 once again san diego state looks like they will uh they will uh, move on or unless uh, they're not upset here at, at the buzzer um and uh but uh, missouri tigers man they're a very athletic team they got uh, they caught fire in the second half shooting threes what do you think of the tigers well those guys are they're, they're athletic they don't look athletic but they're more athletic than what they look they're really uh, a, a strong looking team you know a lot of those guys are beefy so they're able to use their bodies well when they're finishing on the inside. You have a couple of guys that knocking down threes. They're, they're, they play bigger than what they look. Yeah, uh, Jones went crazy today in the second half. I went for over 20, yep. hitting, hitting a whole bunch of threes. Uh, Missouri can be a very dangerous team. We saw them uh, in the uh, you know power-packed SEC. Uh, so watch out uh, for the Missouri Tigers, and uh, they advance on, and they get the opening round uh, win. Tracy, let's talk a little bit about your game tonight. Uh, the Bruins are taking on UNC Asheville, the game in Sacramento there at the, the Golden One Center. You spent you spend time in Sacramento. I mean, uh, again, you know, you're more of a Southern California guy, but how you liking my hometown over there? Well, the last time we were here, we did pretty well. That's um, true. Mick, Mick, Mick was coaching for Cincinnati, and, and we played them, and I think that was the Lonzo Ball year. So we, we have success up here, and I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. All right, my friend. Now, uh, you got to tell me where, where you've been eating. Where you plan on eating there? Because I, I can give you plenty of places not too far from where you're out there in downtown Sac. Oh, man, I'm just going to stay low-key, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm either going to eat at the hotel or eat at the arena. Uh, so I'm going to stay low-key. All right, man, let's talk about the Bruins. Uh, we know that uh, UCLA has had some injuries uh, with Clark being out, that Bona gets uh, you know, hurt in, uh, in the last game. Uh, that uh, Give me your thoughts about, about those two guys and where are they currently at. And we know Clark's out for the year. But uh, what's the situation with Bone? Is he playing tonight? I don't know. I haven't been to any of the uh, 
practices or the shoot around. So I, I don't know what Summer's doing. I won't know until like see warm up. Um, I hope he can play, but I, I think if if he sits the first couple of uh, if he sits the first couple of games, I think he'll be fine because uh, I think we can get through the first couple of games. But as we move forward into the tournament, he's going to be an integral part. Talk a little bit about the depth of UCLA, Tracy, especially you know when you got you know missing Clark, I mean, who's a phenomenal player and starter. Obviously, that thins up the bench. Uh, a little bit. If, if a bone is not 100% healthy, then you're going to have to ask guys to, to come in and contribute. Where do you think the depth is for this UCLA team? Well, surprisingly, we've seen some of these young guys really set their levels up. Uh, Will McClendon came in and he's doing he's playing a lot of good defense. And uh, Dylan Andrews has been a punch off the bench the last couple of games offensively, and he brings his defense and his athleticism to the table. Um, Kenny Nuba's been stepping in when when a bonus and either hurt or in foul trouble since they were back at the end. These guys have, have all stepped up. And uh, Kenny Nuba and Etienne, they have experience of playing in the final four. So these, these guys, they're ready to play. All right. Talk a little bit about the keys to the UCLA team going deep in this tournament. Number one, stay healthy. Stay healthy, continue, continue to play at a high level defensively. If they play at a high level defensively, then they will be in every game. You, you just want to be in the game in the NCAA tournament. You don't want anybody to jump out too far. Tracy Murray joins us, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, and uh, does a fantastic job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, the Pac-12 tournament that just recently uh, concluded, and then talk about the teams that are representing the Pac-12 besides UCLA. You've got Arizona and, and USC, Tracy. Um, it's not a very deep Pac-12. Um, again, you know, you, we, we don't have you know some of those stalwarts like Oregon and, and you know Washington that we've seen in, in years past. You know, Arizona State didn't didn't make it. I should I can't leave them out. But talk a little bit about this year's Pac-12. Well, i tell you what, they were talking about Arizona State didn't belong, and they went out there and made a statement last game. And, and one thing I know is that Arizona State's size, length, and, and, and their defense and how they play can give you a problem. So I'm, I'm happy that Bobby's team got in. Um, as you see last night, they, they were up 30 by most of the game. You know, so they, they, they're proving that they belong, and hopefully they can make a nice little run. Um, Arizona's going to make a run. They're struggling with Princeton right now, but they have talent. They have size. Um, USC has talent. They have size, but they haven't been playing very well lately. So I, 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 my question out of the, the four is USC right now. You know, USC opens against Michigan State, and it's kind of a hard game to handicap. And, you know, Boogie Ellis, for the most part, has been fantastic. I don't know what USC has, you know, as far as they got other players besides Ellis. I don't know how much depth that they got, but just kind of analyze that game for us with UC, the USC and Michigan State. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a preview to the Big Ten moving forward. True. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, Boogie Ellis can't, can't carry them. You know, other guys are going to have to step up. 
Arizona is struggling with Princeton, like you say. Talk a little bit about playing a team like Princeton that you know basically is going to take the air out of the ball. Uh, they're going to use the shot clock. They're going to be very, very methodical. And especially when, you know, you don't face a team like that for a majority of the year. I mean, heck, you really don't face too many teams like that within your conference there in, in, in the Pac-12. So not a surprise that, you know, these teams, especially West Coast teams, team to, uh, seem to struggle with teams like Princeton. Uh, your experience as a player, coach, and then just, you know, as a guy who's, who, who's watching this right now. When you're playing against teams like Princeton, you have to be patient with yourself. You can't be in a hurry. Um, you have to be efficient with your scoring. And Arizona's one of those efficient teams where they're, they're you know, they shoot 50% from the field throughout the whole year. So they can play this type of game. They're big enough to play this type of game. It's just that they have to be patient with themselves. You know, Tracy, we've seen teams in that first four, a la UCLA, as you as you know and remember, uh, actually make a run, you know, deep into the tournament. Could Arizona State be that team, a team that really was on the bubble, but the way they played last night, they looked nothing like a first four team. Talk a little bit about their chances. Well, I, I know them just up close and personal. They, they are not a first four team. It's just that their lack of concentration sometimes. I, I, I don't understand their focus and concentration because one day they look like they can be the best team in the Pac-12 and the next day they, they're playing down with the cellar dwellers. So uh, with them, they have to keep their focus. They have to work on their shot selection because sometimes their shot selection can get them in trouble. But looking at the bracket, you know, Arizona State got TCU. TCU is tough. But you know what? Arizona State's length and their defense can give them problems. So, I mean, don't don't just automatically push TCU ahead on that one. I, I look at Arizona State now, and I think they can they have a chance of beating them. And then if that's the case, Gonzaga really has to look out because they can defend Gonzaga too and get in their length and physicality and, and rim protection can give them problems too. Speaking of the Zags, not many people are talking about the Zags as they have in years past for a couple reasons. They're a number three seed, not used to seeing that. And, uh, you know, they did struggle at times this year. But I think what the committee saw, and I know a lot of fans and, and better saw, is the way they just really destroyed St. Mary's in that WCC final where they just blew them out. And then a lot of people think, okay, there, there's the old Zags again. But when you look at this team, I mean, you know, Timmy's there again. I mean, it seems like he's been there for a decade, and, and, and he may even come back next year. He has that right, actually, believe it or not. I think as a seventh-year senior, but you know, being serious. But what do you think about this Gonzaga team? Does it does it look anything close to the Gonzaga teams that we've seen in the last few years? They're, they're not as good as uh, last year or the year before, but they're still solid. They still can make some noise. You know, that Drew Timmy is, is experienced. Strother is experienced. You know, you have a bunch of guys on there that that's that's played in big games, so they can they can make a run. It's just you know they they have to really be patient with them. So I don't I don't think it, it it would be a deep run because it's just something about I don't think they have the offense that the offensive punch they had in the past to be able to do so. UCLA Bruins are in action tonight in Sacramento, seven five tip off. 
where the Bruins are, are playing UNC Asheville. What kind of homework, Tracy, did you do on your opponent tonight? And Because I know a lot of uh, fans and listeners are probably not familiar with Asheville at all. What, what have you noticed? Well, they have two very good players. Um, you know, they, they can shoot the basketball. The, the, the team, in general, is a great three-point shooting team. So you have to really guard them behind the three-point line. Uh, but they have a two-headed monster that can go get 25 or 30 if you don't guard them. So, you know, you have to cut the head off the snake, guard those two guys, and I think everybody else will fall. Then you got a team like uh, Northwestern or Boise State that you could be uh, facing on, on Saturday here. I know you never like to, to look ahead, but uh, this Northwestern team has been been pretty good this year. Uh, Chris Collins has done a, a fantastic job. Of course, we see Boise State quite a bit here uh, in, in the Mountain West. Looking forward to that game a little bit later uh, tonight, but any thoughts on either one of those teams? Well, just like you said, I don't like looking ahead. I don't know very much about either team right now. My, my focus right now is UNC Asheville, and then I can get to work on my studying with those two teams. <laughs> there you go. All right. And uh, so I guess then I can't even ask you to look ahead to, to seeing me here next week, man, in Vegas, as you well know, because there's a potential matchup uh, against UCLA and Gonzaga, or maybe it could be TCU. We'll see what happens. Heck, maybe it could be or Arizona, Arizona State. State again. It could be, yeah. right? Exactly. Yep. But uh, you better be looking forward to coming back to Vegas next week. That, that, that better be on your calendar, my friend. I, I plan on it. They just got to go out there and handle their business. <laughs> Tracy Murray joins us. All right, let's talk a little bit about the best team that you've seen this year, whether it's in, in Pac-12 conference or, or outside. <laughs> it's, it's, there's no definitive really great team to me. I just think that it's wide open and anybody can get it. You know, it's, it's not like it was Baylor a couple of years ago where I just said they're just kicking everybody's tail. You know what I mean? I, I don't see a just one dominant team like that. Everybody looks similar to me. You know, it is totally wide open, but the consensus is Alabama and Houston you know, definitely have yeah, the, they're both, the nod. they're both very good. Yeah. They're both very good, and they should be in the, in the final four. Yeah. But yeah. that's why you have to play the game. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at, let's say, the, the tournament mentality, all right, you know, you know all about this, okay? Player, coach, broadcaster, what is that tournament mentality, and what are some of the keys that you feel a successful team has to have in order to make that deep run from a mental standpoint? Well, number one, they have to play defense, and they, and they have to be tough, um, and 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 they and they have to be consistent because there's a lot of teams that are inconsistent and up and down, and you don't know um, what they're bringing to the table night in, night out. You're consistently tough, really good defensive teams that got a couple of guys that can put the ball in the hole. Those are the teams that's going to go to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Yes, size matters. Yes, talent matters. But if you're consistently good on the defensive end, you're going to be in every game to win. It, going back to that mental approach, okay, when you enter the tournament, we know it's different than the conference tournament. Now you're, you're playing on neutral floors. 
you basically don't have much time to prepare for that next opponent, especially in this situation when you, you have a Thursday game, you got a, a quick turnaround for a Saturday game. What's what's the message as, as a coach, or, or what's the message to these players about being tournament ready and in that psyche? Well, when you're talking about mental preparation for the tournament, it's really about what you guys do. It's not really about the other team. Yes, you can get a couple of calls on the other team, know what plays they like running, and, and, and look at their personnel, look at what you can take away. But it's really about you and how you approach the game, how ready you are mentally, and how together you are. Because you can put together a heck of a run if everybody's on the same page. Let's talk about the national championship pedigree. The team that can get to the Final Four, team that can cut down the nets when it's all said and done. What kind of players are, are needed for that? We hear so much about, okay, you, know, you really have to have great guard play. you got to be able to hit the three. You mentioned defense. Give me the Tracy Murray model. What's What, what kind of players are you looking for to build uh, that can a team that can cut down the nets? Of course you got to have great guard play. Guards, guards is, is they're the coach on the floor, so you got to have great guard play. You got to play defense. Um, at the end of the day, you, you need to be healthy and, and and have guys that that understand how to sacrifice. Because when you sacrifice yourself for the sake of the team going into the tournament, you'll give you'll give it all up. Another thing, people underestimate the importance of points in the paint because everybody's shooting a three ball so much. Whoever wins the points in the paint normally wins the game. So you got to get in the paint and get some easy buckets. Do you think the Bruins have that championship pedigree? I, I think they have the championship mindset and pedigree, but when you're shorthanded, you know, you have to see. Put that into context with with Clark, for, for people that haven't watched UCLA very much, missing a guy like that, what does that mean to that team? And then also, let's go back to the, to the psyche and the, and the mental side of it, knowing that, you know, arguably, you know, one of your best players, I mean, you still got Haquez and you got Tiger Campbell, you know, you got Singleton, you got some fine players there, but when you miss such a big piece of that, and especially when you lose him towards the end of the season, how, how have your guys handled that? Well, you, you're missing your potential defense, national defensive player of the year. You're missing your second leading scorer. You, you're missing one thing that I saw that um, the Bruins are missing, and I saw it in the, in the Pac-12 tournament without Clark, was his defense was so good, he gets tons of deflections and steals. When you get those, you also get transition buckets. And I think transition buckets have been down. Easy baskets have been down because of no Jalen Clark being out there. You got Mick Cronin. He's been in plenty of these spots, not just with UCLA, but his days at University of Cincinnati. What are your thoughts on, on, on Mick Cronin and how he's uh, uh, dealt with his team and, uh, and how important is coaching when you move your way through the tournament? Mick's a winner. He knows how to win. He knows how to manage games. And and that's why UCLA wins, whether they're shorthanded, whether they have their guys. If it's a tight, grind-em-out game coming down the stretch, Mick knows how to manage a game. So 
that that's always key in the NCAA or in big time games. Tracy Murray, he will be uh, on the call on the UCLA Bruins radio network tonight as they open their NCAA tournament play in Sacramento at the Golden One Center. They are taking on NC Asheville tonight. My man, we'll let you uh, rest up and get ready uh, for your game tonight. I do appreciate you as always, brother, uh, You know, coming on the show, checking in with us. And uh, I am rooting for those Bruins because I'd love to see them next week. Uh, well, I'll be there at T-Mobile Arena. Hopefully, I'll see you there as well, too. Okay, brother. Take care. You got it, Tracy. Thanks a lot. Here's Tracy Murray, the uh, UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, uh, 12 years in the NBA, NBA champion as well. And, again, uh, does a fantastic job broadcasting the Bruins and covering them uh, in the entire Pac-12 as well. All right. Uh, we'll get you updated on uh, what is happening in the opening round. We'll preview the upcoming games uh, tonight as well, too. Scott Spritzer will join us next hour. And we come back, uh, Lindy LaRock, the head coach of the UNLV Lady Rebels. She is in Baton Rouge. So, yes, we're covering the men. We're covering the the ladies and, uh, and UNLV fans get a chance to see Lindy LaRock lead this team and see if they can continue their monster run. They've won 22 games in a row with a fantastic record of 31-2, and two. so we'll talk to her on the other, other side of the break. We are at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. It is a fantastic day. It is the opening of the NCAA tournament. Plenty of games going on as we speak. A full slate of games tonight as well, too. And then again, we do it all again tomorrow and then Saturday and Sunday as well uh, as we work our way towards the Sweet 16 next week. T.C. Martin live here at the Westgate inside the Superbook. Back with more on this fantastic March Madness Thursday. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. Boat lines it into left field. A base hit. Cespedes will score. And the Oakland A's walk off with game two of the ALTS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air center field. That ball's hit well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner. The doctor is now in. Another very busy weekend here in Las Vegas. And uh, not only March Madness, but don't forget, we have got... Major League Baseball at uh, the ballpark in Summerlin, the Las Vegas ballpark this weekend. Colorado Rockies and the Kansas City Royals. So shout out to our good friends of the Las Vegas Aviators hosting the second week of Big League Weekend. So get out there and have some great weather to uh, check out some baseball. But hey, we are working inside not only today, tomorrow, and uh, throughout the weekend. One of our favorite weekends of the entire year. Uh, March Madness happening right now. And we are live at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. Uh, no better place to be. Jam-packed crowd here. 
And we invite you to come on out not only uh, today or tomorrow or throughout the weekend and check it all out. And don't forget, inside the International Theater, you've got Hoop Central. you got the 4K video wall, the comfortable seating and in the theater there with uh, food and drink options. And uh, no better place to be than the Westgate Las Vegas for that. And, of course, we're hunkered down in our... Uh, our home here, uh, our usual Friday home, but of course, here for the opening round of the tournament, we'll be here again tomorrow. Tomorrow, Marco D'Angelo uh, will be joining me. Lon Kruger will be joining us uh, tomorrow as well, too, as we got uh, the NCAA tournament covered, uh, as we always do, from uh, pillar to pillar, post to post, from inline to inline, you call it, baseline to baseline, whatever, right here on the T.C. Martin Show. All right, want to thank... Uh, Tracy Murray for joining us uh, last hour talking a little UCLA Bruins. The Bruins are in action tonight in Sacramento getting ready to take on UNC Asheville a potential showdown there coming uh, on on, thir- on uh, Saturday I should say as uh, the Bruins could be playing either Northwestern or Boise State, the winner of that game and then yeah, let's look ahead to next week UCLA Bruins could be facing Gonzaga or, or TCU, or maybe even Arizona State again, as the uh, Western Regionals will be at T-Mobile Arena next week. So looking forward to that. And then, of course, on to Houston. After that, we have it all covered for you here on the show. But right now, we're going to go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I believe she is uh, getting ready for uh, her match tomorrow. Maybe a couple po'boys, maybe some shrimp, who knows what. But we're talking about the UNLV Lady Rebels head coach, Lindy LaRock. Lindy, what is happening? Uh, nothing much, TC. We just had a great practice, so we're uh, actually on the bus, headed back to the hotel. Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations uh, on the number 11 seed. I know last time we talked with you, uh, we said, okay, what's a realistic seed? Where do you want to be? You had mentioned, you know, you think you deserve a 10. I agreed with you. 11 isn't bad in comparison to, you know, if you had your sights potentially set on, on a 10. Definitely better than a 13 or a 12 or, you know, where you guys were last year. Uh, so talk a little bit about, you know, going back uh, last week after the selection show and your preparation, you know, here at home before you guys hit the road. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of felt like a, a long time now since uh, Sunday when we finally you know, found out our draw and, and had some time to prepare. So it was definitely uh, obviously exciting there on Sunday. We had a great uh, selection show and had a great turnout of, of friends and family and, and fans that came to, uh, you know, be surprised with us. Um, you know, we got the got the 11 seed out here uh, playing Michigan um, at, at LSU. So, you know, like you said, not too bad. I'm, I'm really excited to have a neutral neutral site game for the first game. So, um, you know, I know we've, we we have a contingent of some Rebels that are coming across country with us. So um, we're looking forward to uh, playing tomorrow. Yeah, and we talked about that. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, about playing on a neutral court. Uh, that, you know, for lower-seeded teams, it's it's been that way in the women's tournament for a long, long time where you've got to play like last year. You had to play... You know, in Tucson against Arizona on their home floor, it's got to feel really good to have a true neutral site game. And again, and Michigan's not even close in that proximity and where you're playing there on the campus of LSU. So this will really be a true neutral site game, and will be no home court advantage for for the team, but not even for the fan base because Michigan will have to you know travel almost just as far as you guys traveled. 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm interested to kind of see, you know, what the arena looks like tomorrow. I think LSU is still going to have, a, you know, obviously hopefully a bunch of their fans come early and, and maybe even cheer for us. So, you know, that would be nice. But, um, you know, just getting on a neutral site and, and, and playing well, that's what we're excited to do. Going through this, this season, Lindy, and then, you know, working your way through the Mountain West Conference Tournament the way you did and now, you know, getting the draw and 11 seed. Do you feel that not only the committee, but just maybe media and fans in general throughout the country are starting to give this Rebel program a lot more respect? Sure. Yeah, I do feel like that. You know, everything from, you know, the national rankings to, you know, I thought our, our seeding was, was really respectable and, you know, to send us across country, I think, you know, uh, I, I was honestly predicting something, you know, pretty regional or, or geographical just because that's historically what they've done. But, you know, I think it, it says about, you know, a, a lot of what, you know, people think of our program or, or what we're doing and, and what we've done this year. So, you know, just, just proud. Uh, obviously, kind of being recognized by other people is great. You know, I, obviously, we know we think we've done been doing something pretty special here for a little while. Um, and to kind of, you know, get people out of our region to recognize um, what we're doing, I think we have a great opportunity uh, tomorrow to play in front of fans that have probably even never, never heard of us or any of our players or anything. And, um, you know, I think that's awesome to to maybe get, give them a good show. Lindy LaRock, the head coach of the UNLV Lady Rebels, 31-2. and They've won 22 games in a row. And uh, they are tipping off tomorrow at 12 noon there in Baton Rouge on the campus of LSU. You guys have been there since Tuesday, so you've had plenty of time to get acclimated. You mentioned, you know, you can hardly wait to see, you know, the arena there tomorrow. Have you guys got a chance to go in the arena and, and practice on that floor? Yeah, we just okay. we just practiced on the floor. Um, you know, we literally just practiced there the, the last hour, so we got 90 minutes on the court. And it's a beautiful arena. Um, you know, obviously it's a lot of purple, but they've got an awesome big jumbotron. It's a big time, big time facility. So um, great hospitality, and you know, our team was able. We went to a seafood spot last night. So. I mean, you kind of know we, we, we like to have a good time as long, you know, as well as obviously work hard. So we're doing that here in Louisiana as well. We've had a couple of really good practices, um, but letting our team kind of walk around and, you know, it's, 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 there's been nicer weather here than there has been in Vegas, I think. So um, <laughs> maybe maybe we brought it with us or, or, or flip-flopped it, but, um, you know, it, it's been really, really great here. And, you know, again, just excited to kind of see what the atmosphere is like tomorrow. Okay, you know, you opened the door, so I've got to ask. Okay, you, you had nice seafood, went to seafood restaurant last night. i got to be hearing about it. Let's go. I mean, what, what, yeah. what, did, what did the players get spoiled with? What, what did you have? i got to hear about this. Yeah, I mean, we let them sit at their own table, so I know they kind of ordered an array of everything from crawfish to it's actually crawfish season out here so they had crawfish mac and cheese and crawfish meatballs crawfish everything out yep. here but i'm a i'm a shrimp and grits person so I, I had an amazing shrimp and grits last night and it was it was legit it, i can relate like i said i was there last year for the final four uh, actually in new orleans so in baton rouge isn't too far uh from there but no great great food spots in your right i mean Everything there is 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 seafood, and you know it's crawfish or it's catfish or it's the shrimp and you know uh, the po boys. I had my first po boy last year, and believe it or not, I mean it's really you know not that uh, different than I don't know, like I say having a Philly cheesesteak sandwich or something like that. But you have to have the authentic po boy, right? 
Yeah, I haven't had one yet. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to it because now it's getting closer to game time. I can't, I can't risk, you know, tearing up my stomach or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're, when we're here a couple extra days, then I'll do more. Time. Yeah, that's right. After you get the victory, you're going to have an off day and you know, soak in some more good weather and some more good food and. Uh, you know, there you go. And uh, and I know that you are looking like that, too. And Rebel fans should feel that confident as well, too. You're playing a Michigan team that honestly, Lenny, and I'm, I'm sure that you, you've looked at this, they did not finish the, the season uh, great. Uh, sure, you can make the excuse that they played in a very strong conference. But bottom line is this is a very beatable team. And as I'm uh, sitting here inside the, the, the West Book at, at the Superbook, uh, you know, you guys are, 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 are a three-point underdog. That's it. That's how much respect that you are getting uh, from the betting public as well, too. So I know you don't look at that, but, uh, you know, again, again, it just shows the, uh, the, the respect that the program is getting. Yeah, I think it helps that we're a Las Vegas team, and there's a lot of better teams in Las Vegas, but yeah. maybe they're driving the line a little bit. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, like, we, we totally respect, you know, Michigan. I mean, just what a great program, and they're really well coached. And, um, you know, they, 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 they've had some injuries late, so it, they're just so battle-tested that, you know, that obviously it's hard to compare records and different things just because, um, you know, that, that it's – not, not totally the same, but, uh, you know, I think they're going to be healthy and, and ready for us. Michigan, the number six seed. Uh, when you look at them, what do you, what do you see? Um, they're long. They, they've got a lot of length, um, at, at especially the guard positions. Their point guard six one. Their two guards like six feet, and I think the shortest player on their team is probably two inches taller than players that we play. So um, they, they've got they've got size kind of at every position, but um, you know, and, and they're really well coached. They're disciplined. Um, they try to get out and pressure a little bit, but you know, I think the hardest thing for us to be able to replicate is the length and the size. So you know, that's something that we're going to have to adjust to kind of in, once we get in the game in the first you know five ten minutes or so. Is any part of this trip that you've incurred so far uh, similar to, to last year in Arizona and then you can actually kind of take away from that so your players are, are kind of, you know, okay, we've been through this before. There's no need really to, to, to have the jitters or the nerves, at least in the prep time leading up to it. Yeah, I mean, some of the tournament stuff is, is all the same as far as, you know, today we had the press conference and the open locker room and, you know, some of that stuff that last year was just all new and, you know, the, the locker room filled with goodies for the players, like, you know, some of the cool stuff, um, which obviously we're extremely grateful for again this year. But, um, you know, we kind of just knew, knew what to expect walking into it. Um, it's nice to see, you know, the bright eyes of our freshmen that weren't there last year that are kind of like, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, but just kind of, you know, some of the cadence of, of the scheduling, I think is is we we feel like we've done that before, so that's helpful. Um, and I, I think you know that that just kind of helps us stay focused, really, at, at the job and the task at hand, um, and preparing and, and being you know mentally and physically ready for the game. You know, the bar's been set now, so now you need to have those goodies for you know in your home locker room for for every game next year. You know that, right? <laughs> well, you know that we've got goodies in our own locker room too, but it always nicer when you're when you're somewhere else <laughs> yeah, exactly you're, you're eating somebody else's food hey you're eating on somebody else's budget that's what i like to say right exactly exactly <laughs>
What's the plan from uh, the rest of the day or, or evening? Because, like I said, you're a two-hour difference there. Uh, and, and take us from uh, from now until uh, tip-off at 12 noon tomorrow. Yeah, we're, you know, to be honest, we're, we did get out here early, but we're still adjusting a little bit to to the time change. So we just got done with practice. We'll eat dinner here in a little bit. Um, and then just give our team some rest. You know, we, it's been we've been hard at work and, and they know the game plan. We've done a ton of film already. So, you know, trying to give their, their minds a little bit of rest and let them rest tonight. Um, and then, you know, it's a, it's a two o'clock start out, out here at noon, uh, at Pacific at, at home and, and Vegas for us. So, um, you know, we'll, we're, we're not going to even take our shoot around just because it's a little bit too early than when I like to wake up the team on a game day. So we'll just kind of wake up and do our normal routine of um, maybe watch a little bit of film, have some breakfast, get ready to go, and head over to the gym a little bit early so we can get some shots up. What about your, your, your seniors and your, and your veterans who have kind of been through this now? Uh, talk a little bit about the leadership you know, qualities that you're really looking for and need in them, not just on the court, but again, you know, this time leading up to it. Are you seeing what you yeah. – do you like what you're seeing? I do. I really do. You know, um, we've got a confident group, and I think that that stems from, you know, our leaders and Desi and Essence and Justice, especially, you know, the, the older group. Um, obviously, there was a majority were there last year, but I think especially the older ones and, and Justice and Essence and, and Desi even um, – you know, they, they like we expect to win tomorrow, and you know that's that's kind of how we prepare. And you know, obviously, we know the seeds, and we're an eleven and they're a six. But um, you know, kind of what I started out with of like we respect them, but we don't fear them. And you know, we we expect to win, we expect to play well, uh, and they've kind of got that look in their eye that that's that's the only thing that they're going to settle for is winning because that's that's what we've done. So you know, just really really proud of. You know, and I can feel it. I can sense it from them. That's why tonight I think we're just going to, you know, relax a little bit and, and let them get off their feet because uh, they've been really locked in and focused. So, you know, I want to keep that going for tomorrow. Do you get caught up in looking at the bracket and, you know, obviously looking at your next game or looking who's in your bracket or they're just in, in general looking at the whole bracket, you know, whether it's South Carolina or whoever, or whoever it is on, on, you know, other side, uh, or is your focus and, you know, just solely on Michigan. But as a coach, I would think that you would obviously have to look ahead because, you know, you got to get some scouts in, especially in, you know, a quick turnaround game. If you play Friday, you got to play again on Sunday. Yeah, well, it's hard not to, like, recognize LSU. You know, we're here in, in, at their gym and their facility. You see their logo everywhere. So yeah. it's hard not to, uh, you know, give them some attention. But, you know, for me personally, it, it's all about this game, you know. And our staff, obviously, our staff splits up the scouts and, and the teams that we, you know, we could see down the line, um, you know, whether it's LSU or, or, or Hawaii. So, you know, that that's 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 close at mine, but that's not at the forefront. And for me, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched a single play of LSU or, or, and, and, and it's kind of nice for us. We played Hawaii earlier. So I, you know, I've got our own game film and, and can recall that pretty quickly if they were to pull the upset. Um, but you know, my, our whole, like, you know, for our team and, you know, it, like it, it's March madness. So I think we're, you know, the men's game starting today, I think it's fun to kind of, watch what's going around and, you know, and, and see some of that. There's already been a lot of close games and Rob, crazy plays. So, you know, that's what March is all about. And so, you know, obviously keeping tabs on some of that fun stuff. But, 
you know, when it comes to kind of our tournament and it, it you know, I, I don't get too, too caught up in some of the, you know, stuff down the line or, or who, who might come. Cause you know, we, we got to take it one at a time for sure. All right, Lindy. Well, we appreciate uh, the time. You know, you're talking about the men's tournament, and here we are, you know, at the Westgate here today inside the Superbook, and you're going to hear a gigantic roar here in a couple seconds before we let you go because uh, I'm going to give you some news that Arizona is about ready to lose to Princeton. Shut up. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. And uh, wow. Pr- Princeton uh, just defeated uh, Arizona, uh, ready to seal the deal here with a couple seconds to go. So there's a there's a 2-15 uh, upset, a 15 versus 2 upset. And we saw a 13 versus 4 upset as Virginia lost earlier today. So uh, this is the madness, right? You know all about That's that. That's the madness. That's what it's about. So, you know, we're, we're calling for a 6-11 upset uh, tomorrow. I was just going to say that. You know, by the way, uh, a little preview. You know, a little 11 beating a 6 tomorrow there in Baton Rouge. All right. We appreciate the time, uh, girl. Uh, we look forward to uh, uh, to watching the game uh, tomorrow, 12 noon Pacific time, and they'll be playing at 2 o'clock there in Baton Rouge against the University of Michigan. It's the, the Rebels putting a 22-game win streak on the line. It's been a fantastic season, and uh, you got to give me, okay, you, I don't know if you're, you're still on the bus with the team or whatever, but you got you got to take me and our listeners into that locker room uh, tomorrow, you know, 10 minutes before you hit the floor. What, what are you saying? Pump me up, coach. What do you got? Uh, we got to be aggressive. We got to be. We, we know who we are. We know how we want to play. So we got to go out there and and put our will on the game and, and be aggressive and um, and you know throw the first punch. So you know I'm excited for our team. They're ready uh, and you know we're going to go out there and play well. All right, Lindy. Uh, thanks. I uh, really appreciate the time uh, you spend with us today. Uh, go get some rest. Uh, have a great time. Enjoy it. And we look forward to to the game tomorrow. All right. Thanks, TC. Have a good day. You too. There she is, Lindy LaRock with the UNLV Lady Rebels in Baton Rouge. And they're pumped up. They're ready to go. They're going to get rested tonight. Again, have themselves a, a nice little meal. Just got done with practice on the campus there at LSU as UNLV takes on the University of Michigan. This is a 6-11 battle on the women's side. And, again, we talked last week with Lindy about where she wanted to be, where she was hoping to be with with a seed, and we know that a lot of times winners out of the, you know the mid majors, the Mountain West Conference, you know they don't get great seeds. And you know last year they had a 13 seed, had to play on the home floor of Arizona, uh, played them very very close. Oh, covered by the way, uh, covered a big point spread uh, last year, but uh, you know lost within uh, you know uh, a single digits. But uh, this year they're only a three point underdog. They're playing a six seed. So when you have that 11th seed. Uh, that's not a, a bad place to be, you know. Getting yourself that 11-6, uh, you know, matchup, and uh, you know, you, you got a chance. You're not going to be playing a, a number one seed right away, and uh, they have an opportunity there. So, wishing them the best of luck. They've had a fantastic year, and uh, we know that Rebel fans have been coming out slowly but surely to support them. Had a couple of sellouts at the Cox Pavilion this year, uh, right under 3,000 fans in the Cox Pavilion. Got a chance to play a couple games in the Thomas and Max Center as well, too. So it's been a fantastic year, and it'd be great for this team to continue to win, to be able to extend uh, you know, their season at least, you know, maybe another game or get past this weekend. But if they could pick up two victories and get to the Sweet 16, that would be fantastic. You never know 
uh, what can happen in the NCAA tournament. And remember, there's not as much parity in the women's side as the men's, but believe me, it is getting there, and it's getting closer and closer. Uh, you would never see you know, anyone outside of a one or maybe a two seed make it to the final four, but you know, we've seen that in recent years on the women's side. So uh, we'll see how far that the Lady Rebels can go. But they're in a very good situation. They've had a fantastic year regardless. 31 victories, program record, 31-2, and two, uh, 22 in a row uh, right now. And uh, they face a Michigan team. Yes, they're out of the Big Ten, but they did not close real well. They've lost, what, three of the last four games heading you know, down the stretch. They're a beatable team. So hopefully UNLV can uh, can get on them and uh, can uh, get a W tomorrow. Remember, that game is at 12 noon Pacific time, UNLV taking on Michigan. All right. Yes, as I mentioned, we have another upset. Uh, so we've had, what, four, five completed games. We've had two upsets already. So earlier today, you had University of Virginia fall to Furman. Virginia was in firm control. They had a 12-point lead in that contest. Furman came back and actually led uh, with about uh, five minutes to go. Then Virginia retook the lead, and it looked like Virginia was going to win. It was just a matter of by, by how much. Uh, had, had themselves a, a five-point lead. It uh, it got trimmed, and then uh, Virginia had, uh, uh, had a two-point lead. Missed a free throw, could have extended it. And um, next thing you know, they uh, have the ball in the backcourt to basically kind of kind of seal the deal. And uh, they turn the ball over in the backcourt uh, through an errant pass. And with two seconds to go, uh, Furman hits a three-pointer, game winner. And University of Virginia, in the first game of the day, gets eliminated 68-67 to Furman. Uh, we just had another upset. And again, when we talk about upsets, there are certain teams that you just kind of say, well, beware, this team could get upset. Virginia's one of them because, remember, they lost a few years back to Maryland-Baltimore County. The uh, <laughs> you know, the 16 seed knocked off a number one Virginia uh, team years ago. And then today, just now, a number two seed, Arizona, lost to Princeton. And when you looked at that matchup in that bracket sheet, uh, including myself, I looked at this and said, well... I don't have the guts to pick Princeton. Do you have the guts to actually bet Princeton? Uh, because, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of these lines are, you know, kind of deflated as far as an underdog goes. You, you're used to seeing, you know, Princeton, you know, a team that would be getting, you know, 15, 16 points. But, uh, you know, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, in this game, Arizona against Princeton. You saw that uh, Arizona was was in firm control, but Princeton battled back down the stretch. Princeton wants to walk it up. They want to take the air out of the ball. They controlled the game. And uh, Arizona, a 14.5-point favorite when it closed, ends up losing 59-55 to to Princeton. So day one, opening round game, basically the first session, Virginia goes down, Arizona goes down. Two massive upsets. And I can guarantee you there are a lot of X's, a lot of bullet holes, as I like to say, in a lot of people's brackets, including uh, my own right now. Uh, wow. Hey, so, TC. Yes, sir. When's the last time that uh, Princeton won a NCAA tournament game? Uh, it would have to be that game uh, against UCLA or Georgetown, right? 1998. There it was. 
There it was. And I remember what sports book I was at in 1998 when that happened exactly here in Las Vegas. So I was part of my first stint back here. So upsets galore, man. We knew it was going to happen, especially this year with so much parity out there. No clear number one, number twos. We talked about it, that you can make a case that any one that's seated in the top five or maybe even six have a chance to get to the final four and cut down the nets. But Princeton, 22-8 and eight on the season, defeats Arizona 59-55. to 55. So the upsets continue. All right, when we come back, Scott Sprites is going to join us, and we will go through the morning session. We will preview each and every game coming up here in the late afternoon and early session uh, for the rest of the way. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games to handicap with that. And uh, Scott will join us, and we'll have some fun with that. But we are live inside the world-famous Superbook, where a crowd is stunned right now as the Arizona Wildcats have been eliminated from the NCAA tournament early on. All right, we're back with more on this uh, thunderous Thursday inside the Superbook here. March Madness Thursday. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. And we are back here at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. The G-Man just showed up. G-Man, put on that headset for a second, man. I got to give you some love. Coming in, rolling around, checking out the show on a little March Madness Thursday. What's going on, brother? God, it's fantastic down here, isn't it? <laughs> it's been a while since I've been down here on on, on this Thursday. Exactly. It's fantastic. Hey, you know, we've been to some spots uh, yeah. you know, traditionally where we broadcast the show and, it, you know, on, on the, and March Madness. This is a great atmosphere and appreciate our good friends here uh, at the Superbook and the Westgate, but uh, uh, nothing like it. No, they always do a great job. You know, uh, I was thinking, you know, last year at this time where I was, you know, and then now I'm working for Southern Glacier this year and everything. Just it's amazing what 365 days does. It's true. That's but true. It's just great to see all these people here and they're just starting to roll in. I've been stopping by a lot of the casinos trying to trying to see, you know, like gauge, you know, the excitement and everybody yeah. and what uh, everybody's doing as far as, you know, is concerned so it's been it's been a fun day you know and as many upsets I heard I was listening to you driving over and talk about bullets in the in, in the in the brackets man uh, I, raise your hand yeah I, <laughs> I have a red pen like you do over there and I, and I always at home I go red red or yellow you know kind of thing so I, it's, I've, it's been, fantastic. I've been too afraid to do it yet you know, it's, I'm, try, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold back see maybe if uh, you know somebody changed their mind with scores no yeah. I was I was stupid I went with some of the Mountain West teams again today thinking, well, somebody's got to buck the system, you know, kind of thing. Oh, so, no. yeah, no, yeah. No. And, uh, uh, but I did have Fern, uh, Furman this morning. So, congratulations. So, I had that one and okay. I, I almost had, uh, um, who was it that played uh, uh, Maryland? Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had that one this morning, so I was close on that one. But, you know, in this tournament, you're you're either close or you're not. So true. it really doesn't matter. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you uh, you being here and, no, and hanging out with us today. No, fantastic. That's, it's great. That's cool. All right, we continue on here. Let's uh, bring in our good friend uh, Scott Spritzer and uh, our handicapper extraordinaire. Scott, how's your morning going? 
And I cannot argue about this day. It's been nice. We got the lucky break <laughs> on the top play of the day, and uh, I'm pretty happy thus far. <laughs> yes, yes. So I know that uh, you like San Diego State today, and uh, a game that was looked like the, the Aztecs were in firm control, and then Charleston came back, uh, missed some free throws, missed some shots uh, down the stretch, and uh, they end up uh, losing. Uh, for some people, they got a push out of it. Some people got a W out of it if you had San Diego State, right? I don't think anybody got a push at six. Uh, I don't think it ever got that high. Okay. Um, yeah, and they end up winning San Diego State 63-57. to 57. So just kind of looking here on that, you know, to see if that line ever got that high. I don't believe it got above five and a half ever. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, if you saw the game and then you saw what happened at the very end, which was a personal foul that could not, you know, could have gone without being called in the final second, and instead they call it send San Diego State to the free throw line uh, to get that game covering free throw at the very end for everybody. It it was as low as four and a half. It was as high as five and a half. So uh, a lot of people, and there were more fives than there were four and a half. So a lot of people got helped out by that final call if they had SDSU. You know, the one thing I can say is that it goes back to something I mentioned on a radio show the other day that allowed San Diego State to be in that position. Not that it was, you know, a great call. It was fortunate to win. But here's the thing about Charleston, and I'm, I'm shocked at some of these coaches. Charleston cannot shoot the three, yet they shoot a ton of them. You know, and I'm sitting there talking about this the other day on a show. You know, they are ninth in the country in three-point field goal attempts to two-point field goal attempts ratio. Ninth in the country, and they're 210th in three-point accuracy. And they're going up against a team that's seventh in college basketball, defending the tray, TC. They hold teams to 29%. And the coach lets them go out there and shoot 21 or 22 threes, and they made five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going, sometimes you got to adjust. So that was one of the reasons I played San Diego State. The Cougars this year shot way too many threes, and they were not good at shooting the three, and they got away with it against the 305th-ranked strength of schedule. And in the end, it cost them today. So... I look at that, you know, and I'll make one more quick note about coaching. The other night, one of the playing games, I'm watching uh, the Mississippi State game. Terrible three-point shooting team. First seven or eight minutes of the game, they're four for five. And I was texting with our good friend Dave Koken, and I'm like, this is full goal. Coach needs to call the timeout and say, guys, I know you're four for five, but enough of the threes because we stink at it. Get the ball inside, work inside. That's how we got here. What do they do? He doesn't say anything. They keep firing threes. They go one for their next 16, and they lose the game to pit. You know, so weird, some bad coaching going on in this tournament sometimes. Oh, absolutely correct. And then, uh, you know, we saw the, uh, the upset with uh, Virginia, you know, earlier on today. And again, shouldn't come as much of a surprise because we've seen Virginia. I mean, heck, you know, just years ago, they got upset by a number 16 seed. Uh, you know, and here as a four seed, they get upset by uh, a Furman team that uh, played well down the stretch. Uh, but Virginia did give the game uh, away. And then uh, the Arizona game, as we just see, you know, when you when you look at those brackets, Scott, and you see like an Arizona-Princeton, you know, you have these flashbacks. Oh, UCLA-Princeton back in the day or, you know, yeah. a Princeton-Georgetown. And I, I know it went through my mind, but it's like, okay, do I have the guts to pull the trigger on Princeton? Because you look, talk about strength of schedule. And I went back and I look at Princeton's non-conference wins. 
which were virtually against nobody. And I'm going like, well, you know, God, I, you know, and I didn't play the game, but it was just another one of those things where we see the upset now, and it's just like it's it's not surprising. None of this should be surprising, especially this year, as we talked about that uh, this thing is totally wide open. Yeah, you know, like I didn't play the Arizona Princeton game either. I, I held off on that one, but you know, I'm watching that game, and it's like. I mean, Kirk Creaso, he did a disappearing act. The yeah. excellent point guard for Arizona. I mean, he ended up with three points, a rebound, and two assists. You know, I know going into the Pac-12 tournament, he was a little banged up with his shoulder. But they had two guys who showed up. It was, you know, 35 points out of two players with 17 boards. Nobody else did anything. The rest of them shot poorly. And give Princeton, you know, great credit for keeping – they actually outscored Arizona – by a decent amount in the paint, you know, down low. So I thought that was just a fantastic coaching job, a bunch of kids who believed in their coaching and followed it through. And then Arizona had a couple of players in that starting five who simply didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if guys can adjust their brackets, I know a lot of people after the first round they get to do brackets again. I'll just say this real quickly, TC, and this is why, you know, like, for instance, I wasn't upset with Arizona losing. There's only, there's only one team in the last 20 years that have finished outside Ken Palm's top 25 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency that has won a big dance. So 19 of the last 20 years, the national champion went into the tournament top 25 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. And the five teams that fit that mold mold, uh, this year were Houston, UCLA, Alabama, UConn, and Texas. And I, I was telling people the other day on a show I was doing, advance those teams, man. Don't even think about it. You got history on your side. 19 of the last 20 national titles have fit this, this uh, prerequisite. And that's what I did with my bracket is I just advanced those five teams as far as I could without them playing each other. And then I came up with Alabama as the national champion. So we'll see if that holds true. Well, you make me feel good, Scott, because we're on the same page with that. And uh, uh, you rounded out my final four. I, I got those guys in my final four, or, except I don't have UCLA in there. But uh, good one, yeah. yeah. I got UConn and, and, and Houston and, and Alabama in there. So I feel good about that. Thank you, and man. And UCLA's banged up. You know, they lost yes. Clark. So I get yeah. that. That's why originally I would have had UCLA winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But with Clark being out for the rest of the season, having a couple of other bumps and bruises that they took during the Pac-12 tournament, I decided to leave UCLA out of the national title game, so I agree with you on that. I have Alabama. I think I haven't beaten UConn on my uh, on my number one bracket. All right, Scott Spicer joins us. Doc Sports. You can go to DocSports.com. Subscribe to uh, Scott's plays. Scott, let's, you mentioned UCLA. Let's talk about them. They're in the uh, as uh, John Murray said earlier, the bailout game uh, tonight at 7:05. And we just uh, talked to Tracy Murray live from Sacramento, getting ready to call the Bruins game tonight. Uh, gave us good insight on the Bruins. Big number here, though, 17-and-a-half against UNC Asheville. Any interest in laying it uh, with UCLA tonight, considering we saw Kansas, you know, with a relatively easy cover. You know, looked like Alabama was going to cover, but, the, you know, that three at the end, you know, you know, cost them. But uh, what do you think about the Bruins tonight laying a big number? Yeah, I'm a huge UCLA fan, and my favorite coach in college basketball is Mick Cronin. Having said that, I took a little piece, just a small play on uh, UNC Asheville tonight, took all those points. They shoot the tray, and they make the tray. They're ranked sixth in the nation in three-point accuracy, and those are the kind of teams I want if I'm going to take a big underdog in the opening round or two in the big dance. They can draw UCLA outside, and the Bruins are without Jalen Clark, as we mentioned, and he's one of the top five defender, best defenders in college basketball. 
And then you got the Bulldogs, you know, one of the most experienced teams in college basketball, including their point guard, Caleb Burgess. He's one of the top dishers in the country. Uh, Asheville has a big seven-footer, Drew Pember, basically a 20-and-nine guy, drags opposing big men out to the deep perimeter, but he also cleans the glass well on, on the defensive end. So the Bulldogs, you know, and they're also, by the way, strong in transition, but they can also play half-court offense. There's not a lot of teams that can do both. And I, and I bet they can give UCLA enough trouble to hang the number. Uh, no way do I think Asheville wins this game outright against this Bruins team. Uh, but I could see UCLA winning by, you know, 10, 12 points. And I went ahead and took Asheville. I think they're in a good spot to cover that number. And, yeah, it's the smallest play I had today, but it's a play nonetheless. There you go. All right, so let's talk about some of these games uh, coming up the nighttime session here. Uh, Iowa and Auburn. Uh, the line now is up to Auburn uh, minus two. Scott, I'm uh, I'm going to do it again, and I, and I say I've, we've talked about this before. You know, Iowa is a team that uh, can get up and down. They can fill it up. But man, they can disappoint you as well. So I felt good with Iowa. They've broken my heart. Uh, but when I've been good with Iowa, they've, been, they've come off of losses. Uh, I like them uh, tonight against Auburn. This is more of an anti-Bruce Pearl play. And uh, an Auburn team that really, I feel, is kind of void of scoring when they need to. And I think the wrong team is favored. But give me your, give me your thoughts on Iowa and Auburn. Yeah, I didn't play the game tonight. I, I completely understand wanting to go against Bruce Pearl. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, he can let you down, no doubt about it, if you're, if you're on the side of the Auburn Tigers. And they did not play well. You know, I mean, they didn't win too many games down the stretch. I, be, I believe they were like, what, had like four or five wins since January 25th. Some close games in there that they lost. They lose by three to Arkansas, five to Bama. It, towards the end of the regular season, they did knock off Tennessee at the end of the season. Uh, but again, it's tough for me to back Iowa. And, and the main reason is, is I think of Fran, Frischella, or Fran McCaffrey, and when I watch his team throughout the years, I, I just look at him as being a bully. I mean, they feast on bad, bad non-conference opposition. And then they, you know, there's times they get popped in the chops or, you know, punched in the nose by a conference team and they fold like a cheap tent. And I look at their defensive numbers, 317th defending the three, 295th defending the two. Uh, they, their effective field goal percent is 308th in all of college basketball. So they're going to have to outscore Auburn. There's no doubt about it. We'll see if Auburn... Uh, can take advantage of Iowa's poor defensive numbers. Having said all of that, it sounds like I'd be on Iowa, but I can't trust Bruce Pearl enough to back <laughs> Auburn, so I get what you're saying. So I'll just sit back and I'll root for you. I'm not a fan of either one of these coaches. You know, McCaffrey has that incredible number. TC, it's something like 45-20. and 20. That's not exact, but around 45-20 and 20 against the spread as a double-digit home favorite in non-conference games, which yeah. are early in the season. And if you throw off that craziness against Eastern Illinois, they did it again. They clobbered teams as 30-point favorites until that one particular game. So, again, two coaches I don't like to get involved with. I'll root for your side tonight. <laughs> two, two of my least favorite coaches in college basketball. Uh, bullies in the standpoint of just bullies, period. Uh, berating their own players. And, and both have come under a lot of scrutiny with that over the years. And McCaffrey, again, this year with that. So, yeah, not, not one of my favorites. But I do love Iowa's guards I will say that uh, and I do like Chris Murray as well too so they got some pieces um, and they can stroke the three so but again I just uh, not real confident we'll see what happens uh, let's talk a little bit about Duke and Oral Roberts we know Oral Roberts is a is kind of a popular play but then you know you look at Duke and you would figure okay well, Duke tr traditionally be a little bit uh, more than a six-point favorite in this game we know Oral Roberts can can shoot the lights out what's your handicap on this Scott 
Yeah, I, I stayed off of it. I'll give you a play that I'm on to besides the Asheville play because I'm answering you by saying I stayed off of this game quite a bit now. Uh, I did stay off of this game, but I leaned Duke. I like the way the, Duke, the Dukies finished up the season. And when I look at Oral Roberts, they do have some good metrics. There's no doubt about it. They can shoot well. They're top 10 in two-point shooting, top 40 in three-point shooting. They defend the two-point shot quite well. Uh, but then I start to look at things like, you know, again, strength of schedule. They were around 270 at their strength of schedule. And they've got the, the nation's number one active winning streak of 17. They've won 17 straight games, obviously against opposition that is well down the ladder from Duke. I don't like backing those teams. I don't like backing teams that won, you know, 10 or more games in a row going into the dance. It seems to be a good cutoff point over the last several big dances, and that's what kept me off. ORU today. If you made me play this game, I would end up being on the chalk, which was Duke, and going against Oral Roberts, which seems to be kind of a sexy public underdog. Right. All right. A couple other games that you can make maybe an argument for both sides. Northwestern and Boise State. Here we go. The uh, anti-Mountain West play again, and we know that uh, Chris Collins has done a fantastic job at Northwestern there in Evanston. Uh, Great guard play for Northwestern. Uh, you know, Northwestern and Penn State, kind of very, very similar, uh, you know, the way they play and, you know, the results this year. Uh, give me a take on both of those games. Let's take a look at at uh, at uh, Northwestern, a two-point favorite over Boise State, and then later tonight A&M is now up to three against uh, Penn State. Yeah, as far as Northwestern and Boise, you know, I, I put out a free video on this late last night overnight, and, you know, Boise, you look at them, besides the fact that the Mountain West has not been good, you know, I'm a big Ken Palm fan, but he had the Mountain West ahead of the ACC at the end of the year, and I didn't, don't agree with that, obviously, and we've seen why. We lucked out with San Diego State. But Boise's an overtime win over UNLV and a 14-0 end-of-the-game run and a six-point win over San Diego State from a five-game losing streak as they headed to this game. And, you know, I had Boise in that win over the Aztecs, and the Broncos could not have been in a better spot and barely eked out the game on a lot of luck again. A 14-0 run, as I mentioned, they probably should have lost. I'm not giving the money back, by the way. Same with, with today's San Diego State game. I'm not giving the money back in case anybody wants to know. But uh, Northwestern played well down the stretch, despite a couple of close losses to Illinois and Penn State. And by the way, the Penn State losses, both of them to that team came in overtime, both games. The big difference to me is this, in this one is the defensive play. Boise has good numbers. But Northwestern built their strong metrics against tougher opposition, and the Wildcats are great at valuing the rock. They don't turn it over, yet they force turnovers at the other end. I think that's going to be the difference. So a small lean here towards Northwestern. Put out a video on it last night that I do like the Wildcats in this matchup. Okay. And then A&M against uh, Penn State uh, tonight. Yeah, this one was obviously tough back and forth, and I was trying to think, okay, do I want to back Penn State in this game, believe it or not? And then I decided to hold off. The problem with Penn State for me, they don't force turnovers at all. They cannot grab offensive rebounds, so if their shots aren't falling, then they're a a pretty good shooting basketball team. There's no doubt about that. But if their shots aren't falling, they don't get second chances, and they don't get to the free throw line. Check out these numbers, TC. There are 363 teams in college basketball. Penn State ranks 362nd in turnover percentage on the defensive end. 
Uh, their offensive rebound percentage, 362nd. Their free throw attempts to field goal attempts per game, 361st. That's crazy stuff when it comes to metrics from a team uh, that was able to go 22-13 and 13 and land in the big dance. By no means do I think Texas A&M is going to cruise through this because they got some bad shooting numbers. So one thing about A&M, man, that keeps me off of them a lot, uh, except for that last game against Alabama in the regular season, and then I played against them and took Alabama in the uh, Southeast Conference Tournament, but they can really go south with their shots. They don't shoot the three well. They don't shoot the two well. I'm going to say they eke this one out over Penn State, but I think this one could easily, 50-50 game could go either way. Yeah, I just uh, like uh, A&M's defensive pressure, and I like uh, the way they rebound. Uh, they're a fantastic offensive rebounding team, uh, you know, too. They're you know, uh, 24th in the country with that, averaging uh, 11, you know, offensive boards uh, a game. And uh, like you said, yeah, Penn, uh, Penn State really doesn't rebound that well. So I, I'm hoping that the uh, the A&M pressure will get to the Penn State guards, and uh, especially the way uh, you know A&M played uh, down the stretch, uh, played you know Alabama strong. They played the SEC schedule very, very tough. You just mentioned something that is very wise in choosing this game and talking about offensive rebounding. Texas A&M is number six in the country in offensive rebound percentage. And before you mentioned that, I, I really wasn't thinking about it, but they're number six. And I just told you that Penn State is the second right. worst offensive rebounding team in all of college basketball, 362nd. That could very well come into play, no doubt about it. I hope so. <laughs> I'll root for you, man. Thank you, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, who else are you looking at tonight? What's intriguing to you? Yeah, I'll give you one more play here. Um, they grab the points with Colgate. Feels a little publicy. I'm going to make up words here, uh, <laughs> but you know they, they're an, they're an experienced team and they're dead eyes when it comes to shooting accuracy. Colgate's number one and number seven in the nation in three point and two-point shooting, respectively. They make 41% of their threes. They make 57% of their twos. And if I'm going to take a double-digit underdog against a quality opponent, I want a team, I don't care if they play great defense, I want a team that can score the rock. That's what I want, and that's what they do. Twelfth uh, in the nation in assists per field goals made, which shows they have multiple guys who can nail their shots, and they look for the best shot. They don't overdo it, but they do look for the best shot. They will make the key passes, and they're patient in doing so. And then out of the fact that they value the basketball, they don't commit turnovers, they don't allow second shots, they're a very good offensive rebound, excuse me, defensive rebounding team, keeping teams off the offensive glass. I think they hang this number. I think Texas gets the win. I don't think we're going to see a Princeton, Arizona type upset, but I think Colgate ends up covering this number, which roughly 13, 13 and a half right now. All right. Great stuff, Scott. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I know that uh, you have looked at uh, some games for tomorrow. Uh, give our listeners uh, a couple games, maybe even in the early session, that we should watch out for. Well, I'll tell you what, this is actually a later game, but I was going to throw this out there because it is a very sexy public dog, and I'm a little concerned. I, I, I went forward on what a show I did so far, and this is the final game of the five-game uh, pick session that I had on a show the other day, and I'm not so sure I'm as crazy about it now as I was the other day. It's Drake plus the points over Miami. Obviously, Larry Nega is a great coach, and he could be a difference maker in this particular game. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we have a Miami program that did lose to another Mo Valley team in a tournament a few years ago when they lost to Loyola Chicago with short shock. And if Omir is banged up enough to where he can't give it his all, the power forward, uh, he's 14-10 and 10 per night. And the under-the-radar metrics take a hit, too, if he's not healthy as their uh, three-pointers per possession allowed shoots up when he's not on the floor. 
So if he plays, Miami's pretty tough on offense, and they're one of the more accurate teams in college baskets, but they're not good on defense. The Canes are 261st against the two, and they tend to allow too many offensive rebounds to the opposition. Drake, really good at both ends of the floor. I like them plus the points in this one, but again, it is a very sexy underdog pick, and we know how those games usually go. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to give you one uh, too, Scott, and, and pretty much in that same vein, and I want to get your opinion on it. I like Kent State tomorrow against Indiana. I think Indiana is a very overrated team. Uh, Kent State uh, is, is a very uh, underrated team, uh, and uh, they can score. I like this Kent State team. Uh, I see another 13-4 upset. Okay. <laughs> I don't have the game yet. I'm going to look at it more tonight, especially since you like Kent State getting the four and a half, and uh, I'll jump into it a little bit more. As of right now, I don't have a play on that game. Yeah, and, and I don't either as of yet. But uh, that you know, when I was filling on my brackets, I like okay, I could uh, I, I could see this happening. But uh, you know, and I know you're a Matt guy. You know, you 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 follow a little bit of the Matt. You follow not, everything. Not in college football. You want to talk about a jinx conference for me? I know a lot of guys make good money off betting the back. I don't even handicap the Mac anymore in college football. I don't either. I will in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, it, uh, yeah me, me too. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, uh, basketball, okay. But, uh, and, and we've seen uh, you know, the Mac play some decent uh, uh, basketball as well, too. And as a shout-out sure. to, to, my, to my good friend Todd Kowalczyk, who used to be the UWGB court coach many years ago, has done a great job right. at Toledo. So he's, he's over there. And, uh, and Kent State's got a pretty good program uh, as well. All right, my friend, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, enjoying this uh, today. Uh, good luck on the rest of the evening and the rest of the weekend, my friend. Sounds good, TC. Good luck, man. You got it. Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go to DocSports.com. Get Scott's play. Subscribe to him. And uh, feel very, very fortunate, as usual, that uh, you know he gives our listeners uh, uh, plays as well, too. And, again, one of our, our featured handicappers here on the show has been for a very, very long time, long-time close friend, him, Marco D'Angelo, and uh, Marco will be with us uh, here tomorrow. All right, so always good stuff here at uh, the Superbook, the Westgate, and uh, we are just starting here with uh, March Madness on this Thursday. Our, already saw two major upsets. How many more are we going to see tonight, G-Man? I'm hoping for at least one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going with, man? Uh, you know, it... I filled out my bracket this morning, and you know, look, looking at who's coming up tonight. I really, I took Iowa today, right this afternoon, and so I'm just excited to see some good, um, some games. Actually, I'm actually gonna have to watch it inside the bunker at the at the hockey game. I'm going to the hockey game tonight. I got offered some tickets this morning, so yeah. Marco's gonna be there too. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. He's going. Calgary Double B's gonna be there too. Double B's so, gonna be yeah, there. We got a lot of our crew is there. I said, no, guys, I'm I'm, I'm watching some basketball. Yeah, yeah. So, TC, who did you have going all the way? Uh, Alabama. Okay. So how far did you have Zona going? I had Zona going to my Elite Eight. Mm. I had I had I had Zona um, I going yeah, losing to Alabama and that's what kinda kills me here. So and I was on the fence of, of taking maybe Baylor to beat Arizona. But I, I decided to go with Arizona. But I, I went yeah. back and forth yeah. with that Sweet 16 game. Now I wish I would have went the other way. <laughs> yeah. But I got a feeling that I'm not like the only guy in that no. boat that went with oh, Arizona. No, no. no. This is, a, this is a, d a perfect example of why I didn't fill out in a, a bracket so I don't have the headache of all this nonsense. 
So I, I, I don't have any uh, goal to set, so that way I don't have any disappointments. And you know what hurts for me, though, too, is I spend way too much time in the brackets. You know a lot of guys, yeah, go, oh, yeah. I'll, make, I'll do a bracket like five minutes or ten minutes or whatever, and I say that. Dude, I was working on for two hours last night. Yeah. You know, it's well, just, I take it too serious. I heard you talking on Monday. You said as soon as the brackets are coming, you, you, you went behind closed door and started researching. And, I started and, making and my own lines. Yeah. That's what I do. That's yeah. how I make my own lines and, and from, from a betting standpoint yeah. to see, you know. Okay, that's, that really didn't have anything to do with brackets. That's <laughs> right. more handicapping yeah. to see, you know, but if, if I'm you, online. But at least you to your brackets, though, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roll Tide. Well, well, time. Yeah. And again, in Houston, I love Houston too. Right. And I got that being my final, and I, you know, I, I love both those teams. And we'll see what happens. And I love UConn too. It so should I'll, be a great Friday tomorrow. It'll be it, fun. It, then. Saturday and Sunday. Too. All right. I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us. So with the UCLA Bruins, he's on the broadcast tonight with the Bruins Radio Network in my hometown of Sacktown. Also, Libby LaRock, who's in Baton Rouge, getting ready for the Lady Rebels. Uh, their NCAA first round tournament game tomorrow against the University of Michigan. Go Rebs, rooting them on. And by the time we hit the uh, air tomorrow, we'll have the result uh, of that game. All right. And appreciate Scott Spritzer and John Murray joining us. Jimmy, I appreciate you being Absolutely, here, brother. brother. Thanks for having yeah. me stop by. All right. And Nick uh, back in the studio. And then uh, Numchuck uh, on location, remote location. Yeah. There you go. Appreciate our good friends here, Jay Cornegay, and everyone here at the Westgate. We're back here tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. The bracket's up there. Our interviews are up there. Go check it all out. And uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook for more March Madness.